Um, now, like I said, I won't weigh in on the merits of the debate from this sacred desk, but with all the hoopla surrounding this issue of when to stand, when to kneel, I thought it could make a very timely message. My message today is when to stand, when to kneel. Has nothing to do with the anthem, has everything to do with your Christian walk. Amen? When to stand, when to kneel. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, that that we can take uh, things that are going on in our society and, and use them as ways to get closer to you. Lord, what the enemy has meant to divide our country, God, let it bring our country back together. God, what our enemy has meant to distract us, Lord, let us focus on things that are really important. Today, I pray for this church, I pray for these people, Lord, that you would help us, Lord God, to look to you, the author, the finisher of our faith, so that we might be a blessed nation once again. Touch us today, Lord, and teach us through your word when to stand, when to kneel. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody would say, amen, amen. Number one. When to stand, stand for righteousness. Amen? Stand for righteousness. If you have your Bible this morning, turn to Proverbs chapter number 14, verse number 34. I'm preaching out of the NIV this morning. I'm sorry, the King James Version this morning. Proverbs 14 and 34. You've probably heard this scripture before. It says, righteousness exalteth of nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Let me say that again. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. So we should stand for righteousness. Why? Because God honors righteousness. God honors a nation when it stands for right things. God honors you when you stand for righteousness. Amen? Why should we do this? I said it early in the service, because blessings follow obedience. When we're obedient, when we do what God wants us to do, when we make choices that are pleasing to our Lord and Savior, He honors us. How many here want to be exalted by God? That should be an IQ question, okay? That, that, that should just make sure you're still awake, okay? We all want to be exalted by God. One way to be exalted by God as a nation is to choose righteousness, to stand for righteousness. So what's the definition of righteousness? We don't often hear that a lot. The definition of righteousness is the state of conformity to the moral law. It's a state of being conformed not to this world, but to God's standards. Amen? Whose morals are we talking about here? We're not talking about um, subjective morals. We're talking about God's moral law. God, long, long time ago in this book, told us what was right, told us what was wrong, okay? I don't think our problem is knowing right from wrong. I really don't. I think our problem is wanting to do wrong more than we want to do right. (laughs) Can I get a witness, okay? You know what been my biggest challenge during this little diet? Is all that good food you guys bring, okay? And now it's pastor's appreciation, and you want to bring me more, by the way, it's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll just eat a little bit, I hope. Okay? But here's the problem. I, I, our flesh wants one thing, don't it? But our, our spirits want something entirely different. You and I have to choose righteousness. You and I have to choose to do things God's way. That's taking a stand for righteousness. It works for a nation, according to Proverbs 14, 34, and it works for you and I too. Consider a couple more scriptures. Proverbs 21, 21. Turn with me just a couple pages over. Proverbs 21, 21. The Bible says, 
He that followeth after righteousness and mercy findeth life, righteousness, and honor. If you follow after righteousness, if you follow after mercy, if you do things God's way, he promises a long life, he promises righteousness, he promises honor. That sounds like a pretty good deal, doesn't it? Guys, that, when you do things God's way, blessings come your way. Turn with me now to Isaiah 32. Isaiah 32. I'm just trying to, to present a case right here for righteousness. Isaiah 32, verse 17. Isaiah 32, 17. It says, And the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. How many could use some of that? Okay, how many could use a little peace at your workplace? How many could use a little peace in your family? Okay, how many could use a little peace in those situations that bring such anxiety and such turmoil to your lives? Follow after righteousness, okay? Because God says a byproduct of righteousness is peace. There's not a lot of that going on in our society today, is there? There's not a lot of peace. There's not a lot of tranquility going on in our country today, huh? Do you think maybe because we're not following after righteousness enough? We're more concerned in being right than being righteous. And that's where we get in trouble sometimes. We are much more concerned because you notice I said follow, stand for righteousness. Don't just stand for right. Because you know what? What's right is not always what's righteous. And sometimes you and I think we're so right but we're so wrong. (laughs) You know, you can think two plus two equals five and you can just swear about it. You can talk about it. I don't know. Maybe in Common Core it does. Okay? But, but here's the deal. That, that was for you teachers out there. Okay? But 2 plus 2 is equal 4. doesn't matter what you think. You can think you're so right. You can be so passionate about it. But you can be so very wrong. But we see that on TV all the time, don't we? We see it in our families all the time. We need to make a stand for righteousness and not just being right. So compare what I just read to you in Isaiah. Isaiah 32, 17, it says, And the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. Compare that with James 1 and 20. James 1 and 20. Here's what the Bible says, the opposite of what, uh, of what I just read to you in Isaiah. James 1 and 20 says, For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Compare those two. Man, look, you can have, you can seek after righteousness and get peace, or you can have the wrath of man that is anti-righteousness. It's your choice. Let's choose wisely, guys. Psalm 23 and 3 tells us that God will lead us down the path of righteousness. What does he say? I will lead you down the path of righteousness for my name's sake. God wants us to to walk into righteousness. God wants us to do things his way. God will lead you down this path of righteousness if you will allow him. Here's the amazing thing about God, guys. He's a perfect gentleman. He will not force you to be righteous. He will not force his will upon you, even though he could. Okay, he's strong enough, he's powerful enough where he could. He could just say, Fabian, you're doing it this way now. Okay, he doesn't work like that. He gives you a free will. But when you choose his will, when you choose righteousness, 
It changes everything. It changes the outcome of things. Amen? It brings peace. It brings blessing. How many could use some of that right now? How many know our country could use some of that right now? Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin brings a reproach to a nation. Note that I I talked about standing for righteousness, not just being right, because too many times we become more interested in being right than being righteous. When we choose righteous, we will always be in the right. Let me say this again. When we choose righteousness, we will always be in the right. But when we choose being right, we aren't always righteous. We need to make sure that we're listening to the, the voice of the Holy Spirit. Amen? You know, guys... The voice of the Holy Spirit and the voice of my wife sometimes sound a whole lot alike. Can I get a witness? Brother Ricky, you understand? Seth, can you relate? Okay. Sometimes the voice of the Holy Spirit sounds like a a lady's voice to me. Okay. It just, uh, it's kind of the same thing. Okay. But guys, here's the deal. We need to listen to the voice of the Spirit. I said it a couple weeks ago. It's not just enough for us Pentecostals to be Spirit-filled. We got to be Spirit-led. Man, I've met some tongue-talking folks do some pretty stupid things, okay? I've met some folks, they'll talk in tongues on Sunday, and they'll cuss you out on Monday. That, ain't, that may be being full of something, but it ain't the Holy Spirit, okay? And that's certainly not being spirit-led. Well, pastor, I'm a Cajun. That's just the way I is. Well, let God change the way you are, okay? Look, are you going to think those things? Absolutely. Guys, look, I'm so glad my thoughts are just between me and God. Okay, you ought to be glad my thoughts are just between me and God. There are times the spirit of slap comes upon me and I just, I, I'm just reminded, lay hands suddenly on no man. I know I'm taking that out of context, but it's for your good. Okay, it, it's, uh, you ever been driving? You, ever, you know, my wife told me this story this week. She's driving and somebody said she was number one with the wrong finger. Okay, you ever had that one finger salute? You ever had somebody just, just, just ruin your day? Okay. You know, I'm so glad she didn't run them off the road. That wouldn't have been good. We need to follow after righteousness. Guys, we live in a very unrighteous society. We live in a very unrighteous world. Nobody's thinking about being righteous. Everybody wants to be right. Let's make sure that you and I as Christians decide that being right is not the most important thing. Being righteous is the most important thing because that exalteth a nation that brings blessings upon you and your family and how many in here want to be blessed amen so the first thing we ought to do is stand for righteousness number two we need to stand for jesus we need to stand for jesus everybody's talking about when we should stand and what we should do well guys look we need to stand for jesus turn with me to matthew chapter number 10 matthew chapter number 10 talking about standing for Jesus. Matthew chapter number 10, verses 32 and 33 say this. Jesus speaking here, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Well, those those are some pretty heavy words, huh? You know, sometimes Jesus said some things and they were really, really profound. And if you read through them pretty quick, you're like, oh, what did he just say? 
Let me read it to you one more time. Whosoever, Jesus is speaking here, whosoever shall confess me before men, will I confess before the Father which is in heaven. How many want him to confess you before the Father? How many want to say, hey, that's my boy. I know him. Dad, let him on in. It's okay. But look at verse 33. Whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. That's heavy stuff, guys. But we need to take a stand for Jesus. We need to stand for Jesus in this unrighteous society in which we live in. You need to stand for Jesus at that workplace that you go to. We need to stand for Jesus. Romans chapter number 1. Paul, somebody who took a stand for Jesus, he understood this. And that's why he wrote to us in Romans chapter number 1 verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to to the Jew first and also to the Jew, the, the, the Greek. Je- Paul said, I'm not ashamed. I'm going to make a stand for Jesus. Doesn't matter what it costs me. Doesn't matter what you think. I'm going to stand for Jesus. We need to take that kind of attitude. Amen? We need to do the same kind of things. We need to do it publicly. We need to do it privately. Privately, uh, we need to do it publicly. Obviously, you understand that. And, but we also need to do it privately. Look, guys, you can't do it public first till you do it private first. You need to make sure that you're taking a stand at your home. You need to make that a priority at home with your wife and your kids. You need to be the same at home as you are here at church. You know, sadly, I've been coming to church long enough to realize that not everybody who comes to church is in church. Okay, not everybody who 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 raises their hands on Sundays um, acts like it the rest of the week. Guys, that ought not be so. Okay, man, we're living in the last days. We've got to get serious about some things. We need to make sure that we take a stand, not just for Jesus on Sunday mornings. I'm glad you missed the Saints game and you came here. I'm glad. But that ain't enough. I want you to take a stand at work tomorrow. I want you to take a stand with your wife tonight when you pray with her. I want you to take a stand with your kids when you tell them no. Hey, guys, how many know that, that, that it's not fun to tell your kids no? Okay? You know what? If your kids like you all the time, you might be doing something wrong. Don't worry. I'm good, right, Hayden? Okay, I'm good. Because there are times he don't like me. That's okay. I'm doing my job. Hey, guys, let me, let, me, let me help everybody out here. And I got teenagers too, so pray for me. You know what? Your kid needs a parent. They don't need another friend. Amen? They need a parent, not just another friend. Not just a buddy to go drop them off someplace. They need a parent to shape them and to mold them. Tell them when they're acting a fool. Tear that butt up if you have to. Okay? Do what you need to do. Take a stand for Jesus. We need to make sure that we're the same at church. Or we're the same at home that we are at church. Well, I tell you what, if you're the same at church as you are at home and you got problems at home, well, we'll cast something out you. We'll, we'll get after that too, okay? But look, we need to be consistent privately. How do you take a stand for Jesus at times of temptation? Stand for Jesus. Stand for righteousness by doing the God-honoring thing, especially with your family. Your stand for Jesus is really more what you do than what you say. You see, guys, our actions speak much louder than our words. We need to make a stand for Jesus. We also need to publicly make a stand for Jesus at work, among your colleagues, among your family. Remain consistent. Live your faith out before others, and when prompted by the Holy Spirit to act, act. 
When prompted by the Holy Spirit to keep your mouth shut, keep your mouth shut, okay? Some of us Cajuns struggle with that, okay? Some of us, we talk more than the Holy Spirit can keep track of. He's like, oh, stop, whoa! We're like that horse taking off, whoa, whoa, no, 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 no. Just do what he tells you to do, say what he tells you to say, amen? Hey, I'm Cajun, I understand how you are, because I am that way, okay? But we have to be under the control of the Holy Spirit, Consider for a second someone who took a real public stand for Jesus. His name was Stephen. Turn with me to Acts chapter number 6. Man, I love this dude. Stephen was was one crazy dude, okay? Acts chapter number 6, we pick up the story of Stephen, okay? Stephen in chapter number 6, bless you. The first time we hear about him is in verse number 5, and it says this. Acts chapter number 6, verse number 5. They, they, they had a few problems in the early church. There, weren't, there were some things not getting done, so they said, we need to add a few deacons. We need to add some leaders. In verse 5, it says, And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip and a few others, okay? Guys, Stephen was a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. We need more men like that. We need more women like that. We need a church full of people that are just like Stephen. Full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost. Why are we doing that ladies Bible study? Because it's about what, babe? It's about faith. It's about believing God. We want our ladies to be full of faith. A couple weeks ago, why did we pray for you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Because we want you full of the Holy Ghost. Full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost. Great things will happen. Okay, so that's where we first heard about Stephen. Then verse number eight, it says this. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. You want to do great things for God? Be full of faith and be full of the Holy Ghost. Now, you would think that everybody was happy about what Stephen was doing, right? Wrong. Okay. In fact, everybody got mad at Stephen. All the religious folks said, you can't do this. Trouble started. Imagine that. Verses 9 through 11. Look what happens right here. And there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and the Cyrenes and the the Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. They were upset. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. They argued with him, and they couldn't win the argument. So they got even madder. Verse 11, they got fashe, good Cajun word there. Then they subjourned men which said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So guess what happened to old Stephen? He had to face trial. He had to stand before the high priest. He had to stand before the whole Sanhedrin. He had to make a case because they just accused him of some serious stuff. They accused him of blasphemy. And back in those days, if you blaspheme God, they, 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 they killed you. They stoned you. Okay, so how did Stephen respond? Did Stephen back down? Did Stephen just, oh, hey guys, oh, wrong guy, my bad. (laughs) We're good. No, 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 no. He preached just a fiery message. And we pick up reading in verse number 51. Verse number 51. Here's the response, or or here's Stephen's final phrases. He says this, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, You do always resist the Holy Ghost. Now, guys, who's he talking to? Is he talking to a bunch of sinners? Well, yeah. (laughs) But he was actually talking to the religious crowd of the day. He's at church saying, you bunch of knuckleheads. That's not a, you don't want to be called a knucklehead, do you? Well, that's what he was doing. But they were. (laughs) He said, you're doing just as your fathers did. 
Which of the prophets have you not persecuted? And they have slain which have showed before the coming of the just one, of whom you have now been betrayers and murderers. You have received the law by the the disposition of angels and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly unto heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. They cried with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him in one accord, cast him out of the city and stoned him. The witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he knelt down and he cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. When he said this, he fell asleep. Guys, taking a stand for Jesus may and probably will cost you something. Okay? It will probably cost you something, maybe even everything like Stephen. But if we could ask Stephen today if it was worth it, how do you think he would respond? In fact, think about it. In the moment where, 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 where he is about to enter eternity, he looks up to heaven. Now remember, what did Jesus do when he left this earth? He went to heaven and he's what? Seated at the right hand of God. But he looks up to heaven and he sees Jesus doing what? standing at the right hand of God. Hey guys, you ever, you ever, you ever gave somebody a standing ovation? You ever, you ever just, you couldn't sit down anymore? You stood up and you were like, wow, you, you, are, you are awesome. You are amazing. We do that for our missionaries. By the way, next Sunday, we have a missionary who's going to be with us. When I introduce him, would you mind standing to your feet and welcoming him? Just because they're my heroes. I love missionaries and you will too, okay? But, but Jesus... Jesus couldn't stay seated, Fabian. He couldn't just sit there at the right hand of God. With everything Stephen was doing, he had to get to his feet. And he had to say, that's my boy. Guys, let me tell you, when you make a stand for Jesus, he'll make a stand for you. When you say, I don't care what people think, I just care what he thinks. When you begin to say, I don't care what my boss uh, 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 cares about, I care about what Jesus cares about. I will make a stand for Jesus. Everybody talking about when we should stand and how we should do this, this, and this. And, and, and Guys, the real focus is we should take a stand for Jesus. We need to take a stand for Jesus no matter what it costs, no matter what people may think. We need to stand for the one who will stand for us. Amen? You see, Jesus is worth standing for. Jesus is worth serving. And when should we stand? We should stand for righteousness. We should stand for Jesus. So when also should we kneel? Glad you asked. Number one, or number three rather, we should kneel in prayer. We should kneel in prayer. Consider these promises concerning prayer. Now, guys, I could could wear this battery out talking to you about promises of prayer, but but just a a few promises when it comes to prayer. Matthew chapter number 7, verse number 7. Matthew 7 and 7. Right here in my scriptures. Here we go. Matthew 7 and 7. It says this, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. Talking about prayer, talking about seeking God. John chapter number 16, verse number 24. Hereto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask 
ask and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. Again, these are promises of answered prayer. John 14 and 14. Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Ask anything in his name, he will do it. 1 John 5 and 4. 1 John 5 and 4. He continues by saying, and this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything, say anything. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Philippians 4 and 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, say everything. Everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And finally, Ephesians 3.14. For this cause, Paul says, I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Guys, when should we kneel? We should kneel in prayer. We need to remember that we are the most powerful when we bow ourselves to the Lord. When we go down upon bended knee, we are more powerful then than at any other time. Amen? Guys, we need to kneel in prayer. I believe the church knows more about prayer than we practice it. Let me say that again. I believe we as the church know more about prayer than we practice it. Guys, I did not tell you a scripture you'd never heard before, but how many times is prayer our last resort than our first option? How many times do we get to the place where we have nothing else to do, we can maybe pray? How about that be the first thing we do than the last thing we do? Amen? You know, just uh, Thursday morning, I was... I was in and out the office. I think I came back in trying to remember what I was coming back in for. And, and I, I put it on Fox News and, and um, um, I got a chance to see Representative Ski, Steve Scalise come back into the chamber, the House chamber. For those of you that don't know, uh, Representative Scalise is from the North Shore here in Louisiana. He's one of our congressmen and, and he was shot back in June. They were uh, practicing for a little charity baseball game and, and uh, some nut came out there and just started shooting and, and they hit uh, Mr. Steve and, and it almost killed him. I mean, he lost so much blood and, and, and it was just a very, very difficult time. But this is his first time coming back to the House of Representatives and, and um, he returned for, to work, okay, and, uh, from being shot back in June. The first few minutes of his speech, he talked about the power of prayer. He talked about thanking uh, neighbors and thanking constituents and thanking for those other in, in Congress for praying for him and for words of encouragement. How he would not be alive today if not for the grace of God and the power of prayer. Now guys, I got to tell you, um, everybody was excited when Steve walked in and then when he started talking about God, it didn't seem like everybody was quite so excited, <laughs> okay? They talk about a lot of things in the halls of Congress, but the power of prayer and, and, and the power of God is usually not one of them. But here's the deal. If that man in that venue can give glory to God, shouldn't you and I do the same? If that man who, who had to go through what he went through to understand the power of prayer, how much more should you and I understand the power of prayer? Guys, we need to kneel in prayer. We need to get back to prayer as individuals, as a church, as a nation. In church, often we know more about prayer than we practice it. That great scripture when it comes to prayer, I was, I was texting someone who was, who was just talking about all the turmoil going on in our, our world today, and I responded to him, Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name 
shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, will heal their land. Guys, our land needs a healing. It's time for the church to realize that we have the key to that healing. It's found in prayer. It's found in us gathering together in bended knee, trusting that only God can work in this situation. We need to bow in prayer. Amen? And finally, I'm almost done. We need to kneel for Jesus. We need to kneel for Jesus. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45. I have too many tabs in my Bible. Remember uh, at Bible study, I was teasing one of you ladies that you had a bunch of tabs in your Bible. It reminded me of mine. Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45, verse 23, it says this. I have sworn by myself the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. This is quoted again in Romans 14, 11, and in Philippians 2, 10, talking about every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. You've heard that before, right? This scripture refers to a future event after the second coming of Jesus Christ when everyone will have to acknowledge the lordship of Jesus. Everybody will have to bow a knee. Everybody will have to say, you're king of kings, you're lord of lords. Sadly, this acknowledgement will have no, um, no bearing on their spiritual condition as this judgment, as for them, judgment is imminent. But today, friends, we still live in the days of grace. Why wait to be forced to do something that if done willingly, willfully today will change everything about you? Kneeling is an act of humility. It's an act of submission to authority. It's respect for. And that is why it is the perfect response to the work of Jesus Christ. When we kneel for Jesus, we accept that his will for our lives trumps our own selfish wills. You know what, guys? This is an act of submission to his lordship over our lives. I believe there are people today who attend church regularly, would be considered saved, but have not yet fully submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ. They responded to an altar call. They responded to a, uh, how many need their sins forgiven. They responded to that, but they've yet to come to the realization that the same one who forgave you of your sins is the same one who wants to be Lord of your life. He wants to tell you what to do. He wants... He knows best. His ways are so much better than your ways. You know, guys, I, I saw, a little, saw a little sign, you've seen it before, that God is my co-pilot. Guys, he don't belong in second chair. He belongs in first chair. Hey, Amen. Look, I don't even want to be in the cockpit, Brother Rick. <laughs> okay? I'll let the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost take care of this plane, okay? I, I just want to be sitting in first class relaxing, okay? Eating chocolate cake, okay? That's where I want to be. Okay, by the way, I have no idea what that feels like. It just looks cool, okay? But here's the deal. I don't want God to be my co-pilot. I want him to be commander-in-chief. I want him to run the show because he can do it so much better than I can. I tried to run my life for a little while. That didn't work so hot. Chantel even tried to run my life for a little while. That ain't working real good either. But then I met Jesus. 
How many in here, you've tried other things and then you tried Jesus? He can run your life better than you can. So guys, today, let's remember that we must bow to Jesus. We must kneel to him. Like I said, there are people today in church that have accepted him as Lord, as Savior rather, but maybe not fully as Lord. He should call all the shots in our lives. He's the boss, not just our Savior, but our Lord and Savior. Let's regularly take an inventory of our lives to make sure that we are kneeling or submitting to Jesus in every area of our lives. So guys... That's when to kneel, and that's when to stand. I hope it's helped you out a little bit. Now, here's the problem. Our world has messed all that up, hasn't it? (laughs) Okay? Our world has messed all of that up. But you and I as Christians can teach them by our example what's really important. Amen? Guys, they don't need us to preach to them. They They need us to live it for them. They don't need us to tell them. They need us to show them. By the way, that's a principle for us to the world. That's a principle for you as a parent to your children. That's just a principle. Amen? Your actions speak louder than your words.